Welcome to the Podcrastinators pilot episode, bringing you a mixture of comedy, social and political commentary from New Zealand and around the globe. In other words, the show that's meant to make sense of everything, but quite often doesn't. Hello, I'm Darren Lees, a globally experienced businessman, politically to the right, stand-up comedian, comedy writer, and of course, podcast presenter. And I'm Matt Danaher, I'm an amateur writer, traveller, podcaster, and Instagram influencer, and professional union organiser and socialist who likes to be optimistic about a future. I read this uh, interesting article in the UK uh, about, a, uh, about a woman who's had uh, some severe challenges with technology. What happened is she um, she's obviously in isolation and she's feeling a bit lonely. And so <laughs> she, went to, she went onto eBay and ordered herself a rampant rabbit and, uh, it, you know, placed the order all good. Um, about 30 minutes later, she got a phone call. What's this you've ordered? And she'd forgot the last person who'd been on her computer was her mom and she ordered it on her mom's account. <laughs> her mom hung her up and was like, um, what's this rampant rabbit you've ordered on my account? <laughs> What was um? Was We're it all having problems with technology at the moment? Was it second hand? <coughs> oh, <laughs> could you? Well, it's on eBay. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Mm. I mean, but, you'd have to at least wash it with sanitizer or something like that. For the benefits of uh, Kiwi listeners, eBay is what happened when the rest of the world looked at New Zealand and saw Trade Me, and thought, "Oh, we should copy that." Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, there would be a lot of questions you'd want to ask about the hygiene of that, wouldn't there? It's kind of like secondhand. Is it sanitised? You'd want to put some Dettol on it, wouldn't you? When it turns up, do I have to leave it in the box for 14 days? That's true, actually. That's a good point. In fact, the last owner died of COVID-19. That's right. (laughs) And it was her mum clearing out her place. That's right. (laughs) Putting up on eBay. Before, Before she passed it on. And I reckon the two mums got talking. Probably after the lockdown's over, they'll they'll meet up, have a chat. So they've got you know sex toy using daughters in common. So I'm comparing whoever who you know probably give a comparison rating because I should say if she's ordered on a mum's account, it's going to probably turn up at her mum's address. <laughs> and then you imagine her, her dad opening the box. <laughs> oh, and what if he's over seventy and they're self supposed to be self isolating for a year? Yeah, she might yeah. Her up and go. The mum might get more use out of it. You're not having this back. Your dad loves it. <laughs> yeah, and of course, my Facebook challenge is um, that it seems to think that I want to connect with singles in Swanston. So you've got a Facebook challenge. I've got a Facebook challenge. And it looks like the whole world has got a technology challenge at the moment with the rampant rabbit story. So That's right, yeah. I um, Well, I realise now, though, um, so Facebook thinks I'm into... Game of Thrones. Well, for the, for the I'm not sure what's more offensive. Um, Facebook thinking I want to play games, Game of Thrones related games on my phone um, when I cannot stand Game of Thrones, or that it thinks I want to play sex themed games on my phone, or even thinking about it, games on my phone at all, which I've n- never done. Never do. And yet, the only, literally, the only adverts I get from Facebook are for these kind of mildly smutty in a kind of 1970s carry-on film way games based on game of thrones um what's the other one god it's about a college dorm just but now i realize i've actually made the problem worse for myself because i went into one of them to see one of the adverts to see the reviews and everything <laughs> why would you do that if you weren't interested so well because i was like why is it recommending them to me there must be something like Did maybe... you, give ca- you must have given facebook access to your camera and it must have seen something in your photos <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know it's uh, it's worrying anyway but i i also wonder whether it's because i i went for a stage of blocking every single advert on facebook that came up for anything just yeah. blocking it uh literally unless it was for radio new zealand I blocked everything else. And it started because of, have you seen the Wish adverts? Oh, what they, they, were, they were getting so disturbing. I was like, I actually, you know, I, I, I wake up in the morning, I'm having my breakfast, I'm looking at browsing on Facebook on my phone, 
and I'm seeing like rubber suit gimp suits and um plastic dog turds for a dollar and um weird bondage toys all being recommended to me at once but what's funny while i'm trying to eat my breakfast what's funny about the wish advert is if you were to look at it you were to think it would be like peaches and cream or Anne summers when you actually click on it and go in there's like it, it's nothing like that on the opening page at all it's like I don't know. It's just, it's got, I got those really bizarre adverts. It's just how it gets you in, I think. Edible underwear, that was another one. I really don't want to see that when I'm eating my breakfast. Well, so, what I saw was um, it was like these paper cones that a woman could use in the car for peeing into if she couldn't stop the But then the advert next to that would be for some way of getting the contents of those cones onto a man <laughs> in bed. So, yeah, that got me started on the whole thing of blocking every single advert that came up on Facebook. And I think what they've done is they've now literally come to the last thing that I've not blocked. So it's literally the algorithms think that it's the, they're the only things I'm interested in. So and, it's constant. Could you imagine if you like a woman peed into one of those cones and put it on the back seat and then the kid got in and said, oh, party hat. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, someone's put a glass of lemonade in the back. Yeah, that poor kid would be... Um... <laughs> Sky for life. <laughs> so, um, as you can tell, we're going for the highbrow approach. Do we believe the conspiracy theories that um, it was invented in a lab in Wuhan? Well, it's, um, you know, I, I think anything's possible. The problem is that there's just this element of uh, distrust all the time, right? I mean, as the noise started to, to sort of, as, you know, it started to lift everywhere else, all of a sudden these miraculous 1400 of a deaths appeared about three days ago. And it was kind of like you just missed 1400 people. I know you've kind of got one and a half billion, but you don't just forget about 1400 dead people. Right. Yeah. I definitely, um, I'm very sympathetic to the view that there's a bit of a cover up about the number of deaths. Oh, just a bit. And the cases. Yeah, totally. Um, but but I, uh, I'm skeptical of the idea of either, that it was created in a deliberately in a lab in Wuhan and escaped accidentally, or that it was deliberately released. Um, but you know, I think they they exist within the realms of possibility. Yeah. But I'm a little bit more skeptical about the idea that they're spread by is spread by five G masts and Huawei. Um, it seems to be popular. About that. <laughs> seems to be a very popular theory at the moment, and I say theory, but um, you know, conspiracy theory which I think is an insult to the word theory. That is the most ridiculous conspiracy ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, next thing it will be being spread by microwave ovens. And it, well, I'm sure that's already, I'm sure that's already out there. It's quite interesting. It's really, the conspiracy theory is really taken hold in uh, Ireland. And um, there's even been talk about where Ireland, like the UK, has just flown in a load of Bulgarian fruit pickers. There's a lot of conspiracy theories saying that the Bulgarians actually work for Huawei infrastructure in Bulgaria and have been sneaked into Ireland to um, put up the 5G masts at a faster rate. Oh, my God. It's the Georgie Markov conspiracy all over again. It is. Well, that's it. That's Most people, when they think of Bulgaria, they think about poisoned umbrellas, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> nowadays, people are thinking about Huawei infrastructure engineers and now nobody will eat fruit in the UK because they'll believe that it's all been deliberately infected by the pickers. Oh, God, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you see, that, that's something that's definitely out there. They've just less, pe- less people will eat fruit. fruit. <laughs> yeah, they've just come to rub their hands on the fruit and then leave. Yeah, which is what I feel like I'm doing. Have you noticed that you cannot squeeze fruit anymore in the supermarket? Yeah, no. I uh, Actually, I don't go to supermarkets because I've got um a pre-existing condition i I don't go out really so uh, of course i went to the supermarket once um and looked like i was actually turning up to like do a massive security van hold up because i had like a baseball cap to here and a all black scarf Um, i don't know why i thought an all black scarf was going to save me but um i decided that an all black scarf if anything was going to save me wrapped around my face and i knew about rugby enough about rugby to make a joke about that (laughs) <laughs> to be honest i know nothing about rugby either I can't think of anything i was just given some wild random scarf at a function one night and um, but i actually hated it being in the supermarket i felt so unsafe 
Um, mm. Because as you know, it's practically impossible to keep two meters from people in an aisle that's only about 1.8 meters wide. Yeah, I so, okay, you don't have to worry about that now though. WorkSafe said that magically one meter is enough in workplaces. They've waved the magic wand and, and um, reduced the ability of COVID-19 to spread. Apart from somebody that put some computer graphics out the other day that showed it spreading over about 18 aisles of a supermarket after... No, that, that was spreading Germans. That's spreading Germans everywhere. So mm. <laughs> Not quite so bad. Daily Mail. That's the Daily Mail for you. <laughs> yeah. Your Europhobia knows, knows no bounds. I've got to be honest. Um, I thought we were all the British press was going to be safe at the end of the news of the world, but the Daily Mail has quietly, has happily taken its place. Although, so, if you want to look at photos of fifteen-year-old celebrity daughters in their swimsuits, you know, Mail Online has got you covered. That's it. It's got it's got everything you want in that respect, doesn't it? Mm. It's a hideous, hideous newspaper. I don't know. I don't know if I, I think I should ask everybody on Facebook of my of my friends on Facebook do you, who who subscribes to the Daily Mail and unfriend every single one of them that says yes. Yeah, my parents are big fans of the Daily Mail. <laughs> Get very upset when I uh, make comments about it. Um, but I must admit, I think all the papers are shit to be honest. Back home, and when I first moved to New Zealand, I was like, "Oh my god, there's only like one newspaper really in North Island that I'm going to write in the north of the North Island that I'm going to get hold of." But actually, I don't miss it at all. You, uh, so I'm not sending out a, an invite to your parents for subscribing to our podcast. <laughs> don't worry, I'm I'm not going to tell them about its existence. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you've either got the Auckland Herald or the Wellington Post, really, haven't you? Because that's about, that's about as good as what you've got, isn't it, really? Mm. The Don Post is okay. I don't think there's any decent newspapers out there. I actually think the spin-off is probably the best media outlet in, uh, in New Zealand, in my view. Yeah, no, I, one thing I was amazed about is during about the first three weeks of, of the COVID, the lockdown, the New Zealand Herald's doomsday stories were just every day twice a day why you should be fearful why two hundred thousand people are going to die if we don't do this i was like i was terrified to pick up the phone in case i was going to die just by touching the phone <laughs> was how much doomsday the stories were a huawei phone yeah <laughs> 5g 5g i never checked there you go that's how am i still alive it's because i hand yeah. my phone like every hour Yep, keep it in a bag of rice at night. <laughs> just put it in the cupboard for a week. But um, so, what do you think about Jacinda's decision to uh, to move to level three next week? Well, I don't know. I think it's probably on balance. It's probably the most sensible decision in terms of keeping the the country on board with what we're trying to do. I think keeping it any longer than that, I definitely don't think we should have gone back this week and i think doing it much longer would have started causing some real problems for people you know it's a gamble but i can see why they've done it after some of the and 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 and, you know i'll preface this by saying a minor amount of people with some of the idiotic behavior under level four i was really concerned about her lifting it before a long weekend because at Easter weekend, there were hundreds of people trying to go to beach houses and stuff. And I'm like, what, what, what part of this don't you understand, right? And um, noticing that this weekend was coming up, I was kind of like, I really hope she just extends it till Tuesday. I think what's actually an interesting discussion point is a lot of people are automatically assuming that this little two-week review period means that we're going to level two in two mm. after. <laughs> I think people are really kidding themselves there. I do not believe that's going to happen. No. No, I agree. It's a review period. We could go back up to level four. If the number of cases starts increasing again, which the pessimistic part of me believes they will, then I think we're going to, we'll go back to level four. I think what's more likely, though, is if, if they keep even or carry on reducing, we'll probably just continue at level three for a substantial amount of time. I don't think we're going to level two unless we have a period of one to two weeks with zero cases. That, that's right. And I 
don't know where I heard it yesterday, but people are talking about some people may have even may even have it at low levels for weeks and weeks and weeks without even knowing, and then it flares up. I think you're right. I think what's interesting is obviously we've been locked down into our bubbles for um, almost four weeks now, four weeks today actually, um, and people are still coming with new cases. You know, I think you know four weeks in and we're still showing new cases and practically nobody's at work. There must be a longer, you know, incubation period somewhere around. Uh, that's the only way I could explain that, really. I really hope it's just not people breaching. I can't imagine it is with those low numbers, but you never know, right? I mean, what, what's been amazing is the fact that there's been so much, like, so many places that have had nothing. And then you've had these weddings that have just blown and these stag parties that have blown. You know, and just, you know, a, a St. Patrick's night in Madder Matter. I don't want to offend the people of Madder Matter with their population, but, um, you know, that's a large amount of people in a, in a what is essentially a, a New Zealand town. Well, I, I actually heard it was the Hobbits. <laughs> Do we need to be looking at Peter Jackson? And, um, well, apparently they couldn't catch it at first, but now it's like spread. So now they can get it. It's like leapt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like From gone to sort of semi-humans or subhumans or something like that. They wipe the poor hobbits out. It would do. I, I guarantee if you go to Matamata in a year's time, you won't see any hobbits. That's a big call. That's a big call. That I'd mean, put money on it. That would mean the end of the Lord of the Rings TV show. Gone. Well, actually, if there's one thing they could film... Um, and with physical distancing, it would be Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Cause do you remember? Have you ever seen the documentaries about how they made the film, where they got like um, Ian McKellen as Gandalf to sort of stand at one end of a, a room that was like massive at one end and tiny at the other end, and he would stand oh. at the tiny end, and then Elijah Wood would stand like meters away at the at the massive end. Yeah. And then the way they use the cameras makes it look like they're next to each other. Yeah, can... but and and gives the old death perception and all that sort of stuff. They did physical distancing before it's fashionable. I think a lot of sort of 14-year-old boys have done some social, some sort of self-isolating with large quantities of tissue over their time. That's why there was the run on toilet paper. <laughs> it was actually teenage Just, boys. That's right, 15-year-olds thinking they're not going to be able to get on Tinder for a month. It's like, hunker down, boys. <laughs> That's maybe that's why there's all the blocked drains as well. I oh, know, I hadn't even heard that. Oh, yeah, blocked, blocked drains. So they tried to blame it on nappies, but I think it was just to protect the innocence and um, identity of 15-year-old boys. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite disturbing. There's going to be a huge spunk bug in the sewers. <laughs> it's when it pops out in the sea as like a little inflatable play park with kids diving all over it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I live right down by Manuka Harbour as well. I know we're going to end up with it there. Where's that, Tori? In uh, on a hangar by the harbour. Yes, it's like the most polluted bit of sea in New Zealand. You know, like in London, they had that giant sort of like Donald Trump thing or something that they bought into uh, hmm. the Thames. There's just going to be this giant spunkberg <laughs> coming into a viaduct harbour. It's just come with a great big Spunkberg, just right at America's Cup as well, just at the opening ceremony. It's all right, actually, because um, what's going to happen with America's Cup? God, that's if we even have it. What's your view on Simon Bridges? Um, I'm quite happy with him being there, where he is. He can stay there, as far as I'm concerned, um, as long as possible. Yeah, because we I'm have a big a fan of his work, to be honest. Yeah, he's probably the best Labour politician that you've got. <laughs> course because we haven't explained to everybody that you are sort of left of the political spectrum i'm a i'm a paid up member of the labor party yeah yes i am unfortunately a paid up member of the national party and um i do wonder what on earth is happening to my money at the moment um i um i'm deeply concerned about where the national party is at the moment and uh, i worry that they actually are happy to lose an election to get rid of him which i think to party members and party supporters, that's an insult to allow them to run an election campaign with so much passion, so much energy, knowing you're going to lose. Yeah, it's weird. Why would you go out and campaign for them? 
Well, the other thing is, you know, all of the money that's put into the party. And why would you also, I also think it's a bit of an insult to the country as well, because you've got people that are absolutely, you know, passionate national supporters. You've also got a lot of people on the bench, on the fence, you know, because, you know, before, mm. before COVID, you know, um, Jacinda wasn't actually having the greatest run and was under pressure for a lot of things that weren't really going well. And um, I don't know how she does it, but she seems to find a disaster every time she needs one. And um, she, she does a great job of them. I don't know how she does it. She's Maybe that's the conspiracy. That's Jacinda the conspiracy. started COVID-19. That's right. She went over to China and bought mm. it back, um, in a little test tube and just emptied it out of the Sky Tower and sprinkled it over Auckland. Mind you, it's your guys that have got the um, Chinese government spy on the in the ranks yeah. in Parliament. Well, what was actually interesting is that um, I won't name this um, business person because I was actually at a, at a at a function with them, and when we were trying to get the Chinese relationships back on track, because if you remember about four or five months ago, there was a, a real kind of fracture between the New Zealand-China relationship. Mm. And I was told that this person was put into a role to advise the government on how better to in, improve those relationships. And the government came up with six ministers of who were going to work as this party, and not a single one of them had ever visited China in their entire political career. And he was like, how on earth am I going to make this work when I've got people that have no idea what they're walking into? But what's going to be interesting is the global, I mean, we'll come back to Simon Bridges in a minute, but the global feeling around China, you know, what, what is going to happen there? One of the world's biggest economies, obviously one and a half billion. So it's probably got a fifth of the world's population. Can the world afford to ignore China? No, <laughs> no, is the short answer. Um, no, China is a very interesting dilemma and uh, the effects of um, COVID-19 on their relationship with the rest of the world has yet to be seen, I think. But it is interesting as someone who's travelled a lot, the number of countries you go to where you see projects funded by the Chinese government absolutely, and you see Chinese officials working there and then you read things like the Belt and Road, about the Belt and Road policy and you look at the work they've been doing in, you know, the Cook Islands and Niue and places like that as well and it's quite incredible and there's a kind of sense I think in the last month couple of months that actually they've they've suffered a big blow um but you know it's China so is that blow going to have a lasting effect my view would be no the truth of the matter is they're up and running before everybody else um, and whether New Zealanders like it or not is an enormous export market for milk powder, meats and stuff like that. It, it's really underpinned the New Zealand food market uh, yeah. for, for, for many years. Um, uh, I think what's going to be interesting is, of, of course, you, you've already started seeing the nonsense on Facebook. When this is all over, we should get off the uh, what do they call it? You know, the, the mother that is China and we should start manufacturing back in the UK. And I'm like, you lost that right 30 years ago. It's not going to happen. It, it, you just don't start building plants in some of the highest labor rated countries in the world and just all of a sudden turn manufacturing back on. No, interestingly, though, we, we, we're more likely to see a little boost in manufacturing here, I think. There's yeah, certainly some evidence that that's already happening and it's not necessarily short-term stuff. No, and I, um, I work for uh, a New Zealand-owned company and we, we manufacture here predominantly. And we're one of the few, in, well, we're actually the only one in our field who do. So it's actually going to be interesting because there's always something cheaper in the market. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the New Zealand versus rest of the world sentiment is um, after this because... You know, people can forget these things pretty quickly and all of a sudden price becomes, you know, price becomes king again, right? One thing I'm interested in is what's your view on people's just going, oh, it's just another flow. Well, I kind of have to admit that that was my view at first. <laughs> um, I was of the view that, you know, um, and I still say it flippantly um, that if, you know, hunger was as contagious to rich people as... Um, COVID-19 is we'd have seen action on world poverty um, a lot sooner probably 
but the reality is that it is a lethal um, virus that does have the ability to sweep through the population and take thousands of people's loved ones. And if you can stop it, why not try and stop it? Just because, you know, thousands of people die in the cold every year or in the heat, depending on where you're talking about or whatever, it doesn't mean you don't take action to prevent another form of death. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's interesting. We have the flu every year and people keep churning out all these numbers about how many people die of the flu. And my argument against that is, yes, I agree, but we also have a vaccination for the flu. And the vaccination for the flu doesn't kill the flu, but it stops a lot of people from being killed. The problem I've seen with COVID, and it is affecting people so differently, and that's the difficult part of whether there is even going to be a vaccination that's going to work um, because of just the random effect it has on people. Um, there is no vaccination and it seems to be incredibly contagious. You know, um, it just seems to sweep people like, you know, a wedding and within two days they were just like gone like that. Everybody was down. So I don't recall you go to a wedding and all 90 people end up with a flu. And no, no, you know, so that's the differential for me is, um, and it's that kind of flippant attitude that kind of worries me a little bit about people. Well, it's not going to happen to me and young people don't die. And you know, that kind of flippancy, even though they do. Oh, absolutely. They do. And, um, but that's the flippancy that costs you all the great work. And that's circulating back to where we were at the start. Um, that is why putting it past this weekend stops that flippancy straight away the uh my father-in-law is a um, gas fitter in newcastle in england and he um he he still has to he's an essential worker he has to go into people's houses and he uh, said that um in one house the guy said to him oh i'm not worried i'm uh i've got a beard so i probably won't get it <laughs> and um Oh, why did I not know? <laughs> Somebody else said to him, oh, I swear I had a touch of the COVID at Christmas, so I'll be okay. <laughs> Which um, probably explain, goes some way to explaining why the UK is in the state it's in at the moment. It's probably not all, can't all be blamed on the government. Um, people have to take some responsibility. No, I think you're right. And I think that under level three, that's why I, the pessimist in me believes that under level three, we're going to see an increase because... I don't believe people are going to keep to their social bubbles. And I think that that's one of the problems with, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, one of the things I've noticed already is people saying, hang on, which I think is a reasonable argument saying, hang on a minute. So it's okay for me to go and risk myself for work, but I can't go and risk myself for my own mental well-being and, and seeing and spending time with more of my friends, even if it's going and physically distancing together you know even that's going to be discouraged so and i i think that at the moment you can enforce the police can enforce level four really easily the roads yeah. are empty level three not 80 percent of people are going to be going to work or 70 percent, and um the police will not be able to stop people people will just go and hang out with people it's going to be do you reckon do you reckon it's going to be as high as 70 percent? may not be 70 percent, but yeah, yeah the fact yeah. is it's still going to be a significant amount of traffic um, I did see what percentage it was, and I can't remember. What it, it's a high percentage. I mean, a lot of people um, who've been working through, like me and you, anyway, we can do our jobs from from home for quite Correct, a bit longer. Yeah. But you know, a lot of a lot of people out there can't. There's going to be a significant increase, and I think the police will not be able to tell who is supposed to be out and going to places and who isn't. I read something um, a couple of days ago, and I'm I'm absolutely astounded by this. And, and, and I just can't see how this is even allowed. But apparently golf courses are allowed to open. <laughs> people are allowed to play golf. I am like, this is obscene. Like, this is, there's, there cannot be something right about that, that, that people can go. Well, here in New Zealand, they're opening yes. golf courses. They're opening wow. golf courses next Tuesday. I, I'm in a, I actually play golf. And uh, I'm in a, in a group on, on WhatsApp. And they're sending each other messages going, guys, who's in for a game a week on Sunday? And I'm like, you're kidding. Not a chance. Apparently, you have to have your own buggy. And apparently, you don't take the flag out. But <laughs> and, and, and apparently, you can't even put the ball. There's something that stops it from going in. And I'm like, well, then that's not golf, right? That's kind of, um, that's kind of like, yeah, well, we're going to continue horse racing, but we're not actually going to have a horse. So you can't, you know, it's kind of like... But I think it's obscene that 
that is allowed, especially when you talk about what you say. You can go to work, but you can't go and see friends. Pretty much can't go and see family, but you can go and play golf. Yeah, well, it sounds to me like schools are a definite no-no for about three weeks, unless it's an essential service parent. Mm. So, um, from my from my view, the the, the school that uh, my my children go to, um, they're actually been encouraged to stay and learn online until the next announcement in the middle of May. All Kiwis remind us about the time that the schools were shut for a year because of polo. Yes. So, polio. Yes. <laughs> Not polo. Polo would have been... I wonder if the polo is allowed under level three. Probably if golf is, I would imagine. I, I, I would say that like, if schools were closed for a year due to polo, that was a massive game. Like, <laughs> horses would have been... A lot, of, a lot of kids fell off horses that year. <laughs> or did a lot of horses fall over because they had right over what limps <laughs> it's really strange times we're living in and it's very difficult to find anything to talk about that is not COVID-19 I can give you a, a question it, it, it will basically rely on this but do you think the general election should go ahead this year not only I was of the view it should be um, it should be delayed um, till later in the year but now, um, having seen the leaked opinion poll from National that came out today, I, I think the election should not be delayed a, a second. It should happen. I'm assuming those polls were not good for National. Uh, I think it was something like a 13-seat loss for National. Um, David, David Seymour would be very happy with them. I think six seats for, for ACT. But um, enough, enough for Labour and Greens to govern alone, which would be my preferred um from my preferred government but um I, I suspect also that the figures are not super reliable so um I, I wouldn't take i'm not taking too much heart from them i do think strategically it would make sense not for the government not to delay you know it would have to be about uh, i know that the election um they they've been saying they're not making currently making any plans to de- delay but um yeah, I'd, I'd, I would suspect they'll be this year. They'll definitely be this year because it'd have to be an act of parliament if they're not. I think December is meant to be the cutoff point, isn't it, before it has to become an act of parliament? Yeah. Um, and again, we, we talked about this just a little bit ago. Before the election, everyone was going, do you know what? National could actually, national enact, because of course New Zealand first were faring so badly. There was a lot of discussion that, you know, our oh, bridges is cut, the man, come of the man, come of the hour. You know, he's kind of, he started to rise from this phoenix from the plains and stuff like that. But during, you know, I spoke to a few other national um, supporters and um, a couple of people that are actually close to a few national MPs. And um, yeah, there's some serious concerns there. I mean, allegations that he was quoting Trump rhetoric and things like that. That, that's, <laughs> you know, if there's people you want to, um, you want to quote rhetoric from, there's probably other people in the world um, you would choose before that. I, 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 yeah, it's, um, I, I think you're right. If you're sitting on your side of the table at the moment, you would want the election tomorrow, right? If there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of rumour about whether there's going to be a change at the helm of the National Party. I sincerely hope there is. I mean, Labour made that big decision before the last election when Andrew Little was moved aside. Uh, Jacinda Ardern came in six weeks before. Um, I would not want to see National do that because I don't think the government, I don't think the New Zealand country would fall for that two elections running. So if they're going to make a change, it's probably got to be by July. And it might be. We're seeing some leaks, aren't we? I mean, not just the poll that was leaked, but there's been other leaks. But we're now seeing sort of crumbles in uh, in national because the leader's doing so bad. And I mean, we started seeing the same with Andrew Little as well in, in Labour. Yeah, it's a d- difficult times for national. And I can see why strategically it would make sense for them to just lose this election and then um, rebuild. Yeah, but I always think that's massive lost time, right? Especially if you have got a very good potential leader. Um, and there are some names coming out, you know, and there's, uh, there's some very impressive names coming out as well. Um, people who I think, and will definitely disagree on this, um, you know, people who are as impressive in the public eye as John Key was. You know, John Key was a great orator. He was a people's person. You know, everyone forgot he was this multimillionaire and stuff like that. Right. You know, when he talked to people, he engaged people and he and he kind of brought people together, you know, through um, through, through a lot of things. When we obviously we went through the Christchurch earthquake and all of that sort of stuff and one thing and another. Um, for me, I, yeah, as when, when you're invested in a party like I am 
and I'm not a, like a great big donor by any stretch of the imaginations. It's not that. But when you're politically... Um, so hang on, they don't have to take your donations and distribute them among 15 local electorate committees and under different names? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm politically, um, you know, I'm passionate about politics. And when I see a party that's actually prepared to tank an election, I, I actually get offended by that, to be quite honest. I go... I'd rather put someone new at the helm, potentially lose, but at least be able to build, not have this catastrophic night like the Labour Party did in the UK. Um, and I've got to be honest, I was surprised that Corbyn got so hideously trounced. God knows why people got behind Boris Johnson, but they did. And um, But you could almost see that would happen to Bridges here at the moment if an election was held. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a natural pessimist, so... Um... <laughs> I don't know, but um, I, yeah, I, I can't, he's not prime ministerial material. He's not going to be prime minister. No. There's no question. I think the actual winner at the moment out of this, because what's our political parties? You've got the Greens. I'm not even going there. You've got Jacinda Ardern that, that seems to just like find a moment to just do something and bring herself back. You've got Winston Peters. God, I hope Labour and the Greens, as much as I hate the Greens, I just hope to God that somebody puts him out to pasture at this election, for Christ's sake. Because, to be honest, he's been, he has been a real issue for Labour. And there's probably been some of Ardern's problems because she's had policies and he's gone, no, I'm not into it. I'm not into this you know, abortion thing. I'm not into capital gains tax. I'm not into... And these are policies that they really wanted to uh, have in place. And he's, he's really been a problem for them. And um, that was always going to happen. You've got national... But I think the, the, the person that's really, really kind of really stood up in the last six, eight months, 12 months is David Seymour. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. Um, they're polling. I mean, they're certainly on track to get two MPs. Um, and, you know, just a few just a few years ago, um, they were they were fading fast and <laughs> everyone was predicting. Um, and I think rightly based on the arithmetic at the time, everyone was predicting that they would go the way of um, United Future. You know, they've had a real resurgence and he's really managed to take advantage of the kind of firearm restrictions and free speech stuff and kind of, you know, it's, it's, and I don't think he's a naturally talented politician, particularly. I think he's just managed to ride a wave. He knows which audience he's trying to appeal to. He knows the strengths. He knows who he doesn't appeal to, but the people that he appeals to, and even those that sit on the fence in that sort of scenario, he's appealing to them very well. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, and I, and, I, and I think Ardern in a little way gets caught up in this. One minute she's like over here, and the next minute she's at, you know, Hiyamato um, trying to def- play, you know, land right sort of... Um, you know between Mary's and Fletcher's and stuff like that and I think she didn't really know which side of the fence she really wanted to be on in that argument to be honest with you and um, she nearly got caught out and and Bridges I just don't think he knows who he is and uh, you know and uh, the, the other day I think when you know you've got to get rid of your leader is when somebody produces a COVID poster and the poster's called getting rid of Simon Bridges, you know, wash your hands of Simon Bridges. If you're feeling sick, turn off the TV. You know, when someone produces a piece of artwork like that, that says that you really need to go. That's right. And that's especially interesting given all the money that National is spending on social media at the moment. And, um, you know, their friends at Topham Guerin, the notorious uh, Auckland-based ad company that helped um, Scott Morrison um, win an impressive victory in Australia and help Boris in, in the UK yeah. coming back here to help the Nats get back in here. And unfortunately for them, they've, you know, you can't polish a turd. No. And this one, you can't roll in glitter either. What have you been doing to keep yourself active over the four weeks as a, as, as a sort of entertainer, stand-up comedian, have you found it hard to put material together to be inspired to write comedic material listen to all the shit i've been talking tonight i don't um <laughs> fuck I, I quite happily i can spend half an hour coming up with a graphic for a podcast um or, or buying a domain name and setting up a little website but fucking hell writing comedy material it's tough i mean you've been super productive you've actually been doing facebook lives which are amazing and i can't imagine 
what that's like doing a, a gig where there's no you don't hear any anybody laughing i mean you're no stranger to that obviously but <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bigger treat to get little digs in like that now and again <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's been quite impressive to see your the rate of material you've been churning out, and um, we're all very jealous. I know I'm not the only one of your ability to do that, and I don't know how you've managed. Me neither. I uh, I, I like you have been insanely busy with work, and I and I don't know how the hell that's happened because that was never meant to happen. I'm I'm one of these people where my mind never stops, and I'm constantly writing stuff down, and sometimes it's not funny at the time, but then. I think of something again and, and I go back to it. And yeah, it's been pretty challenging and to build up to do that. And, um, to, you know, because the, the, the Facebook lives have been 20 minutes long. So you don't get away with five minutes to write 20 minutes worth of material. And um, the most weird thing in it all has been um, no audience. Um, I'm lucky I have a wife that stands there and holds a camera and sort of giggles every now and again but you know the absolutely having absolutely no reaction whatsoever you don't even know how much time to leave between jokes you don't even you have no idea when i come out of this i'm probably going to have a heap of material and i have no idea if it's just shit or any good or anything you know what i mean but um because i knew that we were going to go into a pretty tough period i knew there was going to be a massive void and of course i'm a nobody in the comedy scene you know i'm like five months in six months in so it wasn't like I was Brendan Lovegrove or Paul Ego or Ben Hurley or anyone like that doing it. So I had no idea if even anybody cared or was even going to watch. But I just kept doing it because my, my kind of mission with it was if I just make one or two people happier and I take their mind away from just, as you said, there's just nothing else out there, then it was going to be worth it for me to do that. And um, you've definitely you've definitely achieved it. You've definitely had quite a lot of interactions with those posts. And it's quite, a, the, the amount of material is pretty impressive as well because, um, you know, one of the things I like about, and I, I write short stories and, you know, I've tried to write novels in the past and I say I'm writing a novel to people because um, in theory I am. But one of the things I like about comedy is it's been able to bang out five minutes of material and then just get it out there to people. And actually, once you start looking at 20 minutes and the fact you have to put a bit more of a structure to it and, and things like that, it's kind of, it becomes a different beast. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, trying to get 20 minutes to flow. And, and the one thing I found about 20 minutes is you can't do 20 minutes on one subject because that would probably become insanely boring after about six. You know, we go and do our six-minute stand-ups in, in, in classic and stuff like that. Um, and, and you can get away with one subject matter as long as you got a bit of a different edge to it throughout the six minutes when it's 20. And, of course, you can't, you can't ignore what's going on in the outside world. So I've tried to bring the outside world in, but with some of the jokes, I've totally taken them in a completely different direction. So they start off as a COVID reference, but then they end up as nothing to do with it whatsoever to try and not make fun of it, to try and lighten it a little bit because people are just so miserable about the whole situation, about being stuck inside, about having no avenue uh, of no social life. So I try and make a light play of it to at least try and lighten the mood around it a little bit. Good, okay. Mother Teresa of New Zealand stand-up comedy. More like the David Brent. <laughs> I'm sure he compared himself to Mother Teresa at some point. Yeah. <laughs> he also said that the words to um, Life by Desiree were um, some of the most inspiring words he'd ever seen as well. <laughs> oh, I don't disagree. That's going to be my ninth album. Desiree album. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. So, um, you know, that obviously we've both um, interacted with, you know, pick the 10 albums that changed your, you know, that influenced your listening style. With doing that, has that kind of influenced you to go back and listen to those albums? Because the one thing about yes, 10 albums, it doesn't mean you've constantly listened to them for the last 15 years and they're always in your car. And I don't know if you have a, a premium Spotify account, but I'm kind of assuming you do. I've had one for a while. So if I'd done this challenge like five years ago, it would have definitely led to me bringing out old albums and like actually sitting there rummaging through boxes and I'd have taken a photo of the physical CD. I mean, we're only talking about CDs. It's not like I'm talking about vinyl or anything. Yes. <laughs> right. I'd have taken a photo of the CD and I'd have posted that instead uh, of just finding an image on, on Google images. Um, yes. 
and you know i would have sat there and spent a whole evening listening to an album but because of spotify i don't know like we live in we literally live in the ideal future where you can just instantly get any song that's ever been written and listen to it and if you can't find it on spotify you'll find it on youtube so it has caused me to revisit some of those albums definitely but like i've not listened to the whole album whereas i would have done in the past i've listened to like one or two songs and then i've gone back and what i've actually done is take some of those songs out of those albums and put them into playlists with other stuff i wonder how many people have kind of doing this challenge actually own any of the albums that they say that they're ones that have influenced their life like they've probably gone for their own record collection and gone, ah, oh, the greatest hits of Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> you can speak to, Hawks, speak, <laughs> five star. speak for yourself. I know you used to do school discos and stuff, didn't you? Or <laughs> but um, I, I can honestly say, I'm just looking back at them now, just to double check, but I can honestly <laughs> say I own every single one of them or have owned on CD, uh, admittedly. Let me just look. Um, yeah, actually, you know, the Sampa the Great album, which was my number six, because that only came out in 2017. That is an sp- album I've only ever had on Spotify. The rest of them, I've owned physical copies of all of them. Yeah, I'm looking through. I still do, actually. I'm the same. I own every copy of my top 10. Yeah, absolutely. What I was thinking of doing was putting them all on the floor and taking a photo and posting that at the end of the 10 and going, there you go. I've still got them all. But actually, because I love music so much, I really struggled with 10. And I'm actually going to go through till 20. And yeah, I was, <laughs> I'm going to go through till 20 because there's some I'm like, no, I don't want to leave that one out, you know. So yeah, no, my brother is um suddenly changed his to 15. So I was like, oh fuck it, I'm going to change mine to 15 as well. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it also I've quite enjoyed it as well because I have done what you've done, and I've just gone to Spotify and I've just gone the Pixies or the Beatles or something like that. And then I've just gone, I haven't heard this for ages, you know, and it's still really great. Cements That's it. Go, of, yeah, it obviously was an influence for me to still find it great now. None of them have been disappointments to me. No, no. And I've not been embarrassed by my choices either. And a few people have kind of uh, commented that positively about the choices. So I kind of go, oh, yeah, obviously I didn't have a shit taste in music after all. No, it's and I've I've deliberately tried to even, um, like friends of mine have posted like, you know, Def Leppard albums and things like that. <laughs> and I've, I've deliberately tried to think about what are ones that have influenced me that are like that, that would have that reaction of, of laughter. But I actually, <laughs> no, my music taste is just so cool and has been since I was 14 that I just can't find anything that's embarrassing. Yeah, look, I had a couple of school friends post when I put The Queen is Dead by the Smiths and they were like, yeah, I wondered when this one was going to turn up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was pretty cool that people from way back then even remembered and I'm like, four people didn't think I jumped on the Smiths bandwagon. You could have, I actually, but for you actually, I um, seen as you hung some shit on me earlier. I kind of thought that you would kind of have the greatest hits of Shaking Stevens, um, <laughs> you know, the greatest hits of Adam and the Ants. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Shaking Stevens is a fine socialist, actually, um, and uh, a supporter of the trade union movement. So, um, big fan of his um, as a person, rather and than his music. <laughs> and he is Welsh. I'm a quarter Welsh, so... <laughs> I expect no, to see something like that on your list. No, you won't see any. Um, you won't see any British rock music. I don't think. Dolly Parton. Oh, uh, t- to be fair, Nine to Five is a fine song. <laughs> yeah. So my audio listening album that I would recommend in the lockdown, having gone through my favourite ten, is Moon Safari by Air. Grab Fantastic a fantastic choice. Grab a wine. Grab a whiskey. Turn the lights down. Friday night and just like drift off with that album on in the background. It is immense. It's that good that, you know, when you get, well, we get married and you have this sh- shit music in the back of your wedding video, me and my wife were absolutely determined we were not going to have that shit music on our video. So our wedding video soundtrack is actually Moon Safari by Air. Good choice. And you yeah, can't good. say anything funny about that. It's a fantastic <laughs> album. <laughs> And your good self, do you have a listening recommendation? I do. I Well, what I've actually been listening to is, uh, and it's interesting because I, for a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, I can't listen to any podcasts because I'm not driving all the time. Uh, and normally I only listen to podcasts when I'm driving. I had recommended by a friend um, the left-right game on Spotify, and it's a proper high-budget audio production. 
Now, I don't normally listen to audio dramas, but I've got a feeling with physical distancing and everything, we're going to get see a lot more high-quality audio dramas coming out. Um, same as we'll see animations and stuff. Um, but what it is is called The Left-Right Game, and it's based on um, a creepypasta that was um, popular on the internet a few years ago. And the guy that wrote it on message boards has um, had it turned into a high high budget audio drama. And now they're making a film of it as well, or will do at some point. Um, but it's basically about, I'll just leave it at this. It's the idea that you play this game where you go driving on the roads anywhere. And this is it's set in the States. You go driving on the roads, you take the first left, then you take the first right, then you take the first left, then you take the first right, and you just keep doing it for as long as you can. Yeah. And um, creepy, weird shit happens. Yeah, well... So we'll I'll leave it at that, the left-right game on Spotify. When we get back into cars, I'll, I might go and give that a game. Go. Oh, well, there's one thing. They do put warnings on at the beginning, and I've been listening to it while I've been walking around. It's got surround sound. <laughs> And it's amazing oh. sound effects and there's car crashes in it. <laughs> so oh, right. <laughs> it would be really freaky to listen to while driving. It's definitely a walking around thing. From a TV point of view, um, I've just finished this week watching all eight episodes of The Tiger King. It is just compelling viewing. Um, it's, it's hilarious as, as it is tragic. It's a fantastic thing to watch. It's, but apparently, it's not a cool thing for me to recommend because apparently it's the... Um, most watched um, documentary in the world at the moment. So uh, I would definitely recommend it for anyone that hasn't watched it because weirdly, when I started in the lockdown, I kept watching serial killer documentaries and I thought, well, that's actually, that's not actually going to be very good for my mental health. So I landed on the Tiger King and to be honest, that fucked with my head as much as the serial killers did. But uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, I would definitely get on Tiger King. Yeah, I definitely don't think you can call that a recommendation. It's more like a real reaffirmment of what everyone else is saying yes no it's yeah. true yeah um i could give you all of my weird crime ones that i've been watching but, on, but i would definitely not do that don't forget you can find us online at the pod uh, don't forget you can find us online at a very hard to say domain name that is shared by several different people um so possibly not the best choice but it's the podcastinators dot com and that's got links to all of our social media and everything there thanks thanks for listening just um flicking a little note on the end to say that our music um was all done by kid hideous and if you want to listen to more by him you can go to kidhideous.bandcamp.com. Thanks.